Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is something pretty special. Our new pastoral intern, Rita Argus, she's got a podcast for us. Apparently, while she was in seminary for her final project, she recorded a podcast that was uh, looking at a particular passage of scripture, a passage from Romans. This is for a Bible class that she took. Uh, And so as her final creative project, she did an interesting podcast about it. So she sent that to me. We're going to post it here today for all of you to enjoy. We hope you like it. uh, And I hope that it gives you some uh, new insights, some new ideas about this Romans Romans chapter that she looked at from a variety of angles. Uh, The other fun thing, there's some commercials just inserted in there. Why not? It's such a great idea. Maybe we're going to have to start doing that here soon. Um, But I hope you enjoy this. This is from Pastoral Intern intern Rita Argus, a Bible study based on a passage from the book of Romans. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Table Talk Theology with me, your seminary host, Rita Argus. And today, today, friends, I am very excited because we have two amazingly fantastic guests and wonderful roommates, Morgan Walker. Hello. And Sammy DeViasso. Hello. I'm honored to be called a wonderfully fantastic guest. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite an honor. Wow. Special title for special people. <laughs> uh, so today on the pod, we are going to dive in and discuss Romans 5, 1 through 6. Uh, you might hear us reference this as a pericope, which fear not, we are going to define that right now. It's a fancy churchy word for a coherent unit of text, typically from a sacred scripture. So now you can impress your pastor or religious leader by using this 10 cent word. Now, in full disclosure, Sammy and Morgan are also in New Testament class with me and have been diving into this text all semester. So I am sure that they will have additional fun insights to bring from their semester long wrestling session with this text. Hopefully. (laughs) I have confidence so (laughs) but uh before we dive into our main topic of course we have our opening segment what are you drinking (laughs) so in case you're not aware the title of this podcast is based upon the publication called table talk which was a collection of martin luther's sayings and ideas mostly from around the dinner table at luther house uh, which was luther's home for most of his adult life Um, And your boy was known for enjoying a brew or two. So to honor this tradition, we raise a glass and cheers. Clink. Clink. (laughs) To casual theology conversation. Uh, As a quick note, this table is open to all beverages, alcoholic and non-alcoholic alike. And we are big fans of hydration here on the pod. So be sure to care for your body and drink a glass of water. Morgan has her water bottle with her as well. And it says, Jesus loves you. Wow. <laughs> and I also have a sticker of Luther that says, nailed it. Oh, so I'm brown. <laughs> I'm ready for this pod. All right. Well, with all of that, Morgan, what are you drinking? Well, Rita, I'm so glad you asked for this lovely 
evening. I am drinking a watermelon ki- kiwi, truly hard seltzer, and mm. my Martin Luther water. It's delicious. <laughs> Very refreshing. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. And Sammy, what are you drinking? Well, shockingly enough, I'm also drinking a truly, which honestly is my one of my very first times. So that's nice. But it's mango lemonade hard mm. seltzer. That's fancy. Yes. Very fancy for a Friday evening, which it is. <laughs> And I am enjoying a New Glarus Brewing Company, which is a local Wisconsin brew. Uh, and it's their Wisconsin Belgian Red, which is super delicious. It's one of their sours. Highly recommend if you're ever in Wisconsin to pick yourself up a six pack. My mouth is like watering. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Wow. As soon as you said sour, I was like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty delicious. Love a good sour. <laughs> all right. So with all of that, we are ready to dive into our pericope. Um, there is your 10 cent word again. So let's begin by reading Romans 5, 1 through 6. Uh, and because it's fun, I'm going to read my translation of this text. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Went all the way back to the Greek and came up with this. So here we go. Therefore, since we are justified out of faith, we continue to have peace before God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are holding access by means of faith to this grace in which we stand. Even as we ourselves are boasting over the hope of the glory of God, not only that, but we ourselves are also boasting in our oppression. Because we know that oppression is producing endurance, and endurance is producing authenticity, and authenticity is producing hope, and hope does not humiliate us. Because the love of God is pouring into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. For while we are still weak, Christ died at a critical time for the godless. interesting translation choices in there <laughs> hope we can dig into that i'm so fascinated i hope interesting good and not yes no, very good very good just no, yeah. a wow Rita. i can't believe you chose that word Sweet. No. no it's really cool okay. yeah um so definitely a lot to unpack um but I think for the sake of uh, those of us who haven't been diving into this text, um, we should back up a little bit and kind of set up Romans. Um, so let's zoom out a little bit and talk about the book of Romans for a second and where this perky comes from. Uh, so Romans was uh, is definitely a very well-known and beloved letter. Um, it's made a significant impact on the history of church and Christianity. Um, Lutheran audiences uh, can see much of the language that Paul used in the letters of Romans echoed in the writings of Martin Luther, who we were just discussing, as well as other Reformation leaders. Like I know definitely in taking Lutheran confessions like um, and reading the Book of Concord, like I see a lot of that language that's lifted up in there yeah, um, in, in the Book of Concord. Uh, Am I saying it right? Is it Augustine or Augustine? Augustine. 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 Yeah. Otherwise, Dr. Bino is going to come from my head. It's true. Augustine is the theologian. St. Augustine is in Florida. Mm-hmm. This, this is 
These are just the things he tells me. (laughs) So Augustine was said to have converted to Christianity because of reading several verses from Romans, which I thought was interesting too. So this letter is also structured in a very similar pattern to how a lot of the other epistles are are structured. So we kind of see beginning in this letter, um, there's a greeting and thanksgiving um, followed by the like introductory topic of the letter and Paul kind of stating his gospel of God's power for salvation to everyone who has faith. And then there's two segments that are um, kind of arguing why he thinks that that gospel is the correct the correct gospel that they should be teaching. Um, and then after that, he... It uh, brings up a couple questions and potential objections to that argument that he's trying to make, but also to like the discussion on Christian life and then concludes with his travel plans because as one does, yep, uh, as well as a greeting to individuals before signing off with, you know, your doxology that everyone loves. Also, as one does. Yep. Like that was a really brief like overview of like kind of the structure of it. Um like obviously that's like it kind of varies from scholar to scholar like where the uh those pieces all fall together but um I thought that that one was kind of a good overview uh for diving into kind of figure out where our pericope is so ours is set in kind of the middle of Paul's second claim about the gospel um that he preaches and so this part is opening up God's grace to both the Gentiles and the Jews um is how most scholars kind of define this section Mm -hmm. so all right so now that we have kind of a uh, overview of the text and an overview of like where this pericope comes from um we're going to kind of dig into the text a little bit are you ready we're ready sure ready all right so you might have noticed that there are a few words that repeat a lot in in our pericope for today I don't know if you picked up on one just a couple just just a few there's something about like I don't know, like hope or something. Yeah. That does that sound right? Yeah, that one that one repeats a couple times. And it's, yeah. It's... Also, boasting. Wow. Boasting. But I really liked your translation. I don't know if we can dive into that yet, oh, but yeah. like you said, over boasting or Boast, something. Boasting over. Boasting. Dang it. Ah. That always happens to me. But boasting, boasting over. over makes me think of like cup overflowing or something, which yeah. like was a really cool image and kind of gets back at what boasting could actually mean when it's can be portrayed as a negative connotation yeah um but boasting is repeated (laughs) sure is it's almost like I prepared you for that no I'm just Mm -hmm. uh yeah so um those are actually like the two words that I really wanted to lift up and dig into because I thought that they they kind of stood out to me because they both were repeated a lot and they're Mm -hmm. words that um you know hope like packs a lot of meaning like what is hope who knows yeah Yeah, literally uh and and also like the fact that like boasting was repeated a lot and like like you brought up like the boasting over Mm -hmm. um and I uh when I like translated that I was like kind of wanted to dig into that more because like because I translated that way I was like this feels like it's like leading towards something yeah (laughs) and we also we always have such a negative connotation of boasting and so through our class conversations and through exploration of this percopy I feel like I have a different view of boasting in the sense that yeah with the repetition of that word it's more of a 
pride connotation, isn't it? Instead Mm -hmm. of a negative, like bragging um, kind of situation. Yeah. So um, that word comes from the Greek word, uh, which hopefully I'm pronouncing right, is kalkomai. Kalkomai? Yeah. Great. Something like that. It appears 77 times in 61 verses in the Greek Bible. So that's in the Septuagint and the Greek New Testament. Um, So 37 of which occur in the Greek New Testament. So like repeated often enough to be like somewhat significant of the like uh and usually um is defined as to speak out loud or to be loud tongued which i think is delightful Mm -hmm. like i think we should say something is loud tongued loud tongued Mm -hmm. i like that interesting uh it also can mean boast or vaunt oneself um, this is sometimes expanded out to mean one would express an unusually high degree of confidence in someone or something being exceptionally noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so if we go back to the Septuagint, which is the um, Greek translation of the Old Testament for our listeners who don't know, um, there's kind of a mixed view on this idea of boasting. Um, so in some places, it's viewed as negative so like they view it as like there's writing against boasting so especially in proverbs um and uh in the psalms like boasting can be viewed as the basic attitude of the foolish and ungodly man uh-huh. yeah there's so negative connotation yeah. i see um so in other words like boasting is viewed as like the human's desire to have complete control and not depend on god um in yeah. those in those places yeah but in the New Testament, this like kind of gets flipped on its head a little bit. Um, so, like I said, it was used 37 times in the New Testament. Almost all of those are used by Paul. Ah, that's right. Yeah, almost exclusively. To develop more radically his paradox of like uh, that humans can truly boast when we look away from ourselves and instead look to God. Yeah. So he's kind of pointing to instead of... Um, boasting being a negative thing it's a positive thing when when you flip it that you're instead of boasting about yourself you're boasting about god i see yes yeah. again like in this pericope we can see that paul is saying that christians can boast about their weakness because in their weakness god's strength becomes more apparent which i think is really cool well and even like if i mean if this is jumping ahead so sorry but like how would that ends with you will not be shamed and i don't i don't remember your translation but like how then it's this emphasis that like in your boasting you will not be shamed although boasting has been portrayed typically in historical whatever whatever as something that you maybe should be Mm -hmm. experienced shame for Mm -hmm. it's almost like a humble brag Mm -hmm. because it's it's not on yourself. It's it's about God, and so it's it's a boast. Yeah, it's a form of boasting that's taking the focus off of yourself and putting it on something else. But well, it's yeah, interesting. Like, how does that even? How do we think about that when we're talking about a group of people who are oppressed? And like, yeah. when we look at historical context, like, what does boasting look like when you are? boasting out of like this abundance that's overflowing that you know that there is this god who will 
save you, not in salvation type sense, but yeah. like literally save your mm-hmm. body. Yes. Like what? Because mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, if we look at the like Greek literary texts, the outside of the Bible, like they use, it's very much in the sense of trumpeting oneself. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. like what we're getting at and what I was like pointing out is that it's like flip, like when we pointed to God, it's flipping the script and like making the word positive. And I have a quote from here from Sylvia, who's a uh, scholar that um, was writing about boasting and said, like, faith implies the surrender of all self-glorifying. But for those who stand in faith, there may open up a new possibility of boasting, namely in terms of their achievements in propagating of faith. For it's not they themselves who work in their labors, but in the grace of God. Boasting is not grounded in what's seen, but what is not seen. Right. You know, which is even more powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this is reminding me of. So, in in our classes right now in New Testament, we're talking about Revelation, and to think about this idea that God is making all things new. That God, there is nothing too terrible that God can't redeem, or that God won't give another and another and another and another chance to. And to think about like even something as egocentric as boasting that God can take that and turn it on its head and God can make it new. Um, And that we have that confidence through our being pronounced righteous. I forget the um, Mm -hmm. translation used at the beginning, Um, but to have that as the foundation and that like flipping the script I think is a really interesting idea like you're talking about um yeah I feel like it's very much a cliche to say through God all things are possible however it very much is what Paul is trying to communicate here I think Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that I think it's cool that it's like a word that even in the um the Septuagint like had a negative connotation um and like Greek literary text had a negative connotation and Paul was like Actually, no, I'm going to take that and I'm going to, like, mm-hmm. put it in, in this letter. Yeah. Stir it around. Mix it mm-hmm. up a little bit. Mix it up a little bit with, with some God and see what happens. It makes me think about, like, ways that marginalized or oppressed communities then subvert powers by doing so with their language and mm-hmm. taking, like, thinking about and conversations that I've read things with Lenny Duncan like you know you gave black people the answers to their liberation by yeah. giving by we- like you're you're weaponized you're weaponizing the bible and yet you've given them the bible which is liberation mm. itself like yeah oh wow that's what Paul is I think doing here when he's like paralleling justification with boasting. And then yet that's the thing that's not going to cause you shame. But in the end, that that's the thing that's going to save your life. Yeah. Like that's gotta be powerful. I mean, that is powerful for us to hear now, but we also carry a lot of privilege. Like we, many, yeah. the yes. three of us in right, this room, right. but like what can that mean for communities now? This podcast is brought to you by Bible Verses Taken Out of Context. Bible Verses Taken Out of Context, because we can do all things through very specific verses. 
This podcast is also brought to you by the Benevolent Overlord Training Program. The Benevolent Overlord Training Program for those dreaming of one day being a whole Bible department. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Rita's Amazing Sister. Rita's Amazing Sister for when you need ad copy read flawlessly. You're welcome, Rita. Another word that like Morgan brought up um, at the be- like beginning of our like digging into this text that also is repeated a lot and I thought was kind of interesting to and wanted to dive into was um, alepsis, which uh, can be translated as hope mm. or expectation, you know, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. The, those very descriptive <laughs> definitions. This word um, is repeated a lot in the New Testament. Um, We see it 48 times. Um, And, you know, we see it, what, it's like three or four times in this pericope alone. Um, I thought that it was really interesting when I did my word study that um, alepsis actually doesn't occur in the Gospels. Um, And it's used elsewhere, like significantly in the New Testament, but like it doesn't show up in the Gospels at all, which I think is fascinating because like you think, you know, the books like the good news books Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be about like (laughs) that we preach that they're like hope and like good things coming and Mm. whatnot like this word doesn't even show up in them but um it shows up a lot in Paul's letters can I add something about that actually because I think that's a fascinating point and I think that we we think of the gospels as books of hope but thinking like from the perspective of the disciples they didn't maybe didn't feel like they needed that hope because the hope was there like Mm. Jesus is hope and Jesus the hope was there and so I feel like when things seem to be going pretty well for us, we lack hope out of a lack of need for it. And so I'm wondering, you know, it's not until, it's not until Jesus dies and it raises again, that hope comes into the picture, which kind of makes sense then moving into the um, New Testament epistles um, because Jesus has, come as hope and is promising the hope of resurrection, not just for him, but for the whole world. And so I'm wondering your thoughts on that and how that might play into its absence in the gospels, or if that's a worthy, you know, thought. Um, Certainly Jesus brings a lot of hope, but I'm wondering like from our practical perspective, when we need hope, or feel like we need hope and don't need hope. I feel like we always need hope, but. Yeah, I know, I, I think the same. I did a, a dive into this word as well in my work. And also this semester, the Center for Faith and Learning wrote a devotional for Lent and our theme was hope. And for Good Friday, the theme was witnessing hope die. And so like bringing in the conversation of like, witnessing hope die looks like Jesus on the cross. And so then where do we go from there? Um, And I think it's really powerful, Morgan, that you're talking about how that hope is leading us to resurrection of the world and the resurrections that are happening in our life every single day. Like how, like we can hold both of those intention, knowing that like resurrection isn't just 
future. And so maybe that's how it ties with boasting is like resurrection is also now like you deserve and get resurrection and new life today. What yeah. a concept. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. No, I like that a lot. Um, I think like I hadn't synthesized those thoughts, but I think that's why um, when I was looking at different definitions and um, when I was looking at this word, I was really gravitated towards um, to Lo and Nida uh, state that they um, that this word can mean to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. And I really liked that, like with confidence piece, because I think um, kind of what you were pointing to, Morgan, and you added to Sammy that. Um, uh, it's pointing to like hope being more than just like wishful thinking or like a jerry-rigged dream. It's yeah, I also did a deep dive into this word in my research. And one of the definitions I found that I really liked is uh, hope as the expectation of good to come mm-hmm. to someone. And mm-hmm. what does that mean for someone to expect good to come their way? Um, that I felt like really got at hope. So I think actually in my research, when I translated this word, um, I said, hopeful expectation Mm -hmm. to kind of, I mean, Mm. adding an extra adjective in there, but to kind of encompass that idea of like deep expectation, like expecting good to come one's way. Like we did with the other word. uh, I also like kind of looked at how this one was used throughout the Bible and then in um, Greek literary context. And um, it was interesting in the Septuagint there, uh, it was differentiated linguistically as like a counterpart to fear um, because there was like no neutral concept of expectation. It was either you were hopeful for something or you were afraid of something. It wasn't just like something was coming. Like you weren't um, mm-hmm. like it was either like a good thing or a bad thing, which I thought like that kind of created a binary, but then um, like as the word is used, it, this kind of gets a little bit more like wishy-washy. And so um, outside of the Bible and other Greek literary texts, um, elepsis was not always inherently positive. It was sometimes um, referred to the expectation, the expectation of fear, which I think is interesting that all of a mm-hmm. sudden it goes from like the hope and a good thing to like, it's now like the expectation that something is going to be, um, bad or like fearful um but it was also like pointed to as like a quality of fools so um Mm. those who are like foolish were the only ones that had hope um which i mean i think uh you know sometimes people thought that the disciples were really foolish if we're if we circle back to like our talking about jesus embodying hope um so like you know maybe it is a quality of fools in that sense or like that's almost where it came from of like people uh following after this thing in confidence that other people think is not is crazy talk or like not worthwhile i'm wondering too if that comes maybe from some enlightenment thinking where reason and logic were really valued and so why would you like hope may feel foolish because why would you stake your life in something that you have no logic or basis for maybe Mm -hmm there's not that logical reason to guide you there. That's why Augustine was like, yo, this is great. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and like, I mean, with that and like with um, what we were talking about with Jesus, like, again, 
there's this like flipping of the script once again um, of Paul again taking a word that in Greek literary text and even in like you know like parts of like the um the Septuagint like is kind of more like negative or just like a binary and making it uh more fitting with God and like more pointing to like our confidence in God which uh fits with like sometimes the use of um in other parts of the Bible so if we look at the Proverbs um ellipsis is used in in the phrase of the hope of the fool, which is typically defined as the godless coming to nothing. Um, so those who don't have confidence in God um, have hope of the fool rather than um, rather than those who have hope in God, like having hope in something. Yeah. And additionally, uh, I thought it was interesting that the expression to hope in the Lord is distinctive to the Septuagint, mm-hmm. which expands the concept of hope beyond the personal hope for an individual to God's coming in glory, which, oh. yeah, oh. is like literally pointing to like what you like what you brought up. Fascinating, because one of my favorite Bible verses is Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They mm-hmm. will soar up on wings like eagles. Also, like, how awesome is it that, like, Paul has, like, draws us to it and then verse six, but then also, like, how crappy is it that so much of our, like, I don't know if it's an electionary or whatever, but, like, so much of us just focus on Romans five, one through five, and it's like, Mm -hmm. you're literally cutting off the whole point of this text, which is leading us to the cross, Yes. And so when you do that, you're missing like everything you're just saying, Rita, which is just like, wow. And I, I mean, I literally did that when we had started this project. I don't know. It was the beginning of the semester. So my (laughs) mind was just everywhere. And so I just studied one through five and did my creative engagement in one through five. And then going through the study was like, wow, that was traumatic and also tragic and missing like Six seems like it doesn't fit, and yet it's all leading to verse mm-hmm. six. Yes. Oh, wow. In thinking about all of this uh, and like putting all these pieces together, um, I don't know why this came to mind, but so I did my CPE or clinical pastoral education at Children's, which is just down Main Street. And I don't know if you've ever driven down Main Street into Columbus. There is this random building that you pass, and it says, has this quote like beautifully painted on it with like leaves and stuff. And it says they tried to bury us, but they didn't know that we were seeds. And I think like rhetorically, uh, like Paul was saying the same thing in this quote of like, although there's like oppression and suffering and pain and hardship pushing us down, our hope in God keeps growing stronger every day. And like, Mm. like we were talking about like that, um, you know, Jesus had to die on the cross and like, like the ultimate, like, pain suffering and hardship and yet like out of that is like new life mm. the hope is in that is in that like <laughs> like um, the there is like the suffering and pain and hardship because like out of that death like something new is born yeah. so like now what others say is foolish has become a large tree that's impossible to push over mm-hmm. love that yeah it's a good quote 
I highly recommend just drive down Main Street. I've seen it before, but I can imagine if you're driving to CPE every day to do that hard work, passing it every day, like that would be really formative. Like I feel like that changes you Mm -hmm. to read a quote like that every day. Yeah. So all of this is leading us towards what I think is the main claim. I mean, people can disagree. I am a, a, a little baby biblical scholar so mm-hmm. uh you know. aren't we all <laughs> <laughs> soon to be a little baby pastor but I'm a little yes. baby biblical scholar um, even then we'll still be little baby biblical scholars. I know that's <laughs> it's very true uh and so I um I think like in looking at this like flipping of the script and like pointing towards God um and like how these inherently negative words um, are becoming positive, that Paul is actually making the claim that Jesus' death on the cross inverses the authoritative rule of systems of repression. Mm -hmm. Um, And therefore Christians are no longer bound by the authority of their oppressors and are instead free to live in the inbreaking kingdom of God. Which, heck yeah, we should boast about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's also some great liberation theology. Yeah. Which I think is super cool. Like I, you know, in reading that pericope, I don't think I, when I first read through it and even did my creative project, like that's not what I thought I was going to end up landing on. Like, I think. Same. Yeah. We like focus so much on the series in this text. There's so much focus on the like, and so-and-so produces so-and-so and endurance and all of these things. And it's like, we focus in on that and we miss mm-hmm. the like beginning and the end of the text, which are the things that like, like it's a passing through, not like centered on, like we get so stuck on those words. Yeah. And yet it's more than that. You like, know what's mm-hmm. funny to me about that? We, all three of us just had our preaching class last semester. And one of the things we learned in that class is when you're listing words like that, or when you're listing examples, like a chain of examples, you're not listing them for them to remember every, every one you're listing them to like, maybe they'll remember the start point and the end point, or maybe they'll just remember, like, there's a lot of examples of this. Like you're, you're illustrating it for the quantity. Uh, So it's fascinating that we do focus so much on that because in our like preaching style and in our study of those things, you know, we learn that rhetorically that's a method to guide us to another thing. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that we get hung up there. Yeah. I like that, that maybe it wasn't even like Paul's intent for them to get stuck on the list. It was like Paul's intent to like highlight, like, this beginning piece like leads to this end piece and like there's all these things in the middle but like you you get here oh oh and and <laughs> morgan got really excited and we got hand motions thinking about your hand motions with that puppy is joining us for the party it's very exciting jelly bean um and to think about the fact that this letter would have been read out loud mm-hmm. and right. so it when we read it on the page, we interpret it differently because we're seeing things. We can pick out pieces, but this is prime Paul rhetorical training here. Mm-hmm. Like if this is read out loud, that's the exact function it has. Right. Yeah. It's him listening and this produces this and, this and then he lands, you know? Oh, that's, that's good stuff. So anytime you all find 
in your fancy little Christian places, stores where you buy things. Maybe you do that. I don't know what you do. Um, <laughs> not with you. All and you have you see these little quotes of just like and hope does not disappoint us. You're like, keep going. Like don't yeah. forget. Like right. There's yeah. just you know thinking about the fancy little like when people pull out Bible verses and they look really nice and they're really encouraging. Like hands down, they look nice and they are encouraging. But like there's so much more there that like could be growth like those are just right. maybe little plants that could be bigger trees yes yeah oh i like that metaphor this was so much fun to like discuss all of this with both of you um i think it's really cool where we ended up in like ideas that you guys brought in like stuff that i had started running with and i feel like we ran even farther with it and it just shows what um fun things you can learn about the bible when you like discuss it in groups wow the bible is so cool i know yeah. i've written that in almost like every paper that i've turned into <laughs> professor Ren. <laughs> all right uh so with that um our closing segment is we are always going to end with a prayer um is there anyone that either of you want to lift up in prayer this evening mm-hmm. Prayers for those who are seeking new life, yes. resurrection. Prayers for the families of Dante, Adam, George Floyd, all those who have lost their lives to the violence and police brutality. The Lord be with you. And, and also with you. you. God of new beginnings, we pray to you for new life. We pray to you to instill in us your promise of resurrection after death. We pray to to you for those who are searching for that new life, who are searching for that growth to become a tree when the world around them seems oppressive and destructive and just awful. We especially want to lift up to you prayers for the families of Dante, Adam, George, and all those who have been victims of gun violence and police brutality. We know that you promise us new life and we wish that all might experience that new life. I pray all that in your name, amen. Thanks. So thank you so much to everyone for joining us for the first episode of Table Talk Theology. And thank you to my wonderful guests, Sammy and Morgan. Our intro and outro music is the hip hop orchestra provided by the podcasthost.com. <laughs> Find your own free podcast music at the podcasthost.com slash free music. A link is in the show notes. The end.